would be nice if all the teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. Hello and welcome to the new episode of Forward the Hamlet. I'm Hugo Greenhouch. And I'm Ben Sibley. This week we speak to Dulwich Hamlet centre-back Ethan Pinnock. And we also catch up with John Tambagongo, first team coach at Dulwich. We also interviewed Dulwich defender Michael Kamara and caught up with Fiona Skurlock about the Supporters Trust. But first, here's a couple of match reports of the two games Dulwich have played since the last episode. On New Year's Day, Dulwich beat Leatherhead 4-1 and here's Duncan Hart with the match report. New Year's Day meant it was time for the most eagerly anticipated game in the season. It was time for Wallgate and a chance to avenge the miserable defeat in the pouring rain on August bank holiday away to Leatherhead. We went into the game on the back of four straight league victories and undefeated the nine, so confidence was high in the rabble. Dulwich started brightly and looked to take the game to Leatherhead. Noteworthy was the pace and trickery down the flanks provided by Dulwich's fullback pairing, Fraser Shaw and Michael Abney. Adding to the attacking threat of fellow new signing, Luke Wanadio, and long-term club servant Nairon Clooners on the wings. This set the tone for the rest of the game, in which Dulles clearly dominated and ended up worthy 4-1 winners. So, to the goals, which I managed to view from four different parts of the ground. I started the game at the back of the main stand, and good work from Juanadillo set up Carew, who from my slightly obscured angle looked to have buried the, the ball on the volley into the bottom right-hand corner. I found out later this wasn't quite the case, as his volley was perhaps going closer to the corner flag, but it took a morally deserved deflection off Leatherhead defender's shoulder and buried into the back of the net for an early 1-0 lead. Dulwich couldn't quite carve out a second goal in the second half, and it was against the run of the play on the 36th minute when Leatherhead equalised him a free kick. A very rare mistake from Phil Wilson allowed a Leatherhead player to nod in at the far post. We went into the second half at one all. But we were straight back onto the attack and after the break and went in front just a few minutes into the half. I was lending a hand at the excellent DHST Mega Shed, which incidentally sells a whole range of uh, merchandise at very competitive prices, I may add, when I saw Ash Carew cross from the far side of the pitch and add a pinpoint cross onto the head of the unmarked Jack Dixon, who converted for six yards out. 2-1 to Dulwich and a rabble were clearly warming up behind the goal at the car wash end. More pressure followed including an offside goal from the again excellent Xavier Vidal. And it wasn't a surprise with 12 minutes to go when Dulwich got their third goal. Leatherhead got a free kick on the edge of the box, and because of this I took the opportunity to use the water closet, thinking, well I don't really want to see Leatherhead score from a free kick. But it was from there I heard the rabble roar as a third goal was scored. I couldn't quite believe it, merely seconds from after Leatherhead in the free kick. I later found out that the ball fell to substitute Albert Jarrett, who sprinted the length of the pitch, and fellow substitute Kevin James managed to keep up and convert from Jarrett's well-placed cross. 3-1 to Dulwich, and the rabble were now rejoicing. Victory was within our grasp. It was party time, and Ash Carew took the ball from his own half. The leatherhead keeper rushed out, but Ash couldn't quite work his magic to weave round him in the defence. 
A deserved gloss was put on the scoreline when Captain Terrell Force put home from a corner in the last minute. A goal that I finally witnessed from my regular position in the heart of the jubilant rabble as Dulwich secured a 4-1 derby victory. Dulwich's second game of January was against Billericke at home. And Billericke, since they've come down from the Conference South a couple of seasons ago, have become a, a proper bogey team for Dulwich. Um, they've lost their last two games before the game that we played yesterday. And uh, it started off quite similar to those ones. I don't think many Dulwich fans were surprised, even though Dulwich had been on such a good run, that Billericke scored after half an hour. It was from a throw-in, which I think was even worse, considering that you know we conceded a similar goal um, from a set piece against Leatherhead in the previous game uh, it's just a header at the back post after Dulwich had actually started off quite brightly and after the goal it, that continued Dulwich on top it's really good now I mean we have we have pace down both wings um, right from defence through towards the attack as well we have Fraser Shaw and Michael Abnett at the back who I don't think you'll find quicker fullbacks in the league um, and then in front of them you've got Luke Nadio and Nairon Clunis. Um, Nairon's been doing his thing for years now. And Luke has come in and done really well. And those two were part of most of our best attacks in the first half. And the equalising goal came right on the stroke of half-time. Came from a lovely move, actually. Ash Carew played a lovely through ball out to the left-hand side to Fraser Shaw, who'd made his way forward. And he clipped in a lovely cross. And uh, Luke Nadio come in from the right wing, headed it back across goal, um, right inside the far post Billericke goalkeeper didn't stand a chance and it was a perfect time to score went in at the break 1-0 um, I think Dulwich fans you could tell by the celebrations that it was a big goal um, especially against Billericke it really brought us back into the game and then we came out came out for the second half and uh, it was just constant Dulwich pressure again and there was shots after shots um, Vidal Jack Dixon and Ashley Carew in centre midfield um, they had an absolutely brilliant game um, those three worked really well with each other and it was Ash Carew who after he'd already had one free kick about 10 or 15 minutes into the second half that he'd put to Billericke keeper's right hand side which went about five yards wide just after the hour he had another one and uh, I don't know if the Billericke keeper thought that it was going to go the same side again or some people have suggested that he might have pulled a hamstring in the first half but Ash Carew uh, this time went to his left straight into the top corner lovely free kick uh, keeper barely moved and uh, again you could tell by the celebrations by the players and then also the reaction in the crowd that it was it was a big goal uh, it, was, it was really uh, significant that we'd uh, gone ahead after being 1-0 down and after we you know the, the challenge that Billy Ricky always give Dulwich because of the clash of styles of play um and then for the rest of the game, it was it was one-way traffic still. Um, Luke Renadio had another chance from a corner, which was well blocked. Uh, Kevin James uh, had a goal disallowed for offside. Um, we're not sure if that was correct or not. But it was uh, it was right like that to the final whistle, really. Um, there was only one team in it, and if anything, it looked like Dulwich were going to score again. Billericke offered very little in the second half. Uh, I think Phil made one or two saves. Um, down low to his right hand side but there was uh, there was no feeling in the crowd that it was going to be anything than another another three points for Dulwich and uh, I mean Dulwich have only lost once in their last 18 games now they've won their last six in a row 
um, and there seems to be a first team at the moment which is almost set in stone um, I think Gavin seems to have settled on his ideal ideal lineup, um, and it's really really showing and uh, Dulwich are only four points off the top now which considering the two teams ahead of them in the league is uh, is no mean feat so yeah positives all round we look forward to the next game on Tuesday night against Leiston One player who's come on leaps and bounds this season is Ethan Pinnock we caught up with the Dulwich centre-back after the Leatherhead game so Dulwich are flying high in the league Ethan and in no small part thanks to your performances at the back how do you feel it's going this season? Um, yeah I think uh, we could have started the season a bit quicker we went through a little patch where we was uh, losing the odd game not getting on the run but I think obviously we're starting to gel now so everyone uh, knows what everyone plays like and um, yeah it's a team performance we all trust in each other and each time we go out on the pitch, we just believe that we can win. You're forming uh, quite a partnership with Terrell Forbes. What's it like to be playing with a player with so much experience? Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, Terrell, he like, talks me through the game. Um, he's said I've started to talk back now because obviously previously I didn't we used to talk much, but you can see me starting to come out a lot more. But each game he just tells me like how I'm doing what I could do better and I started to give it back to him and he said like yeah like just be yourself just talk like we're just talking as friends and yeah it's obviously hot and the fullbacks are starting to settle in Michael's come in we've got Fraser now what's it like playing with them two on the on the flanks yeah both of them have loads of energy very quick so um, even when they bomb to get forward uh, if the other team manages to counter attack they're quick to get in Obviously, me and T still have to rein them in sometimes because they're so eager to attack and help the team out. But yeah, it's good playing with them. And how has it been going from sort of midfielder to centre back? What do you think? You're much more comfortable there, or? Well, I think at centre back you get more time on the ball, so uh, there's like you get it from the keeper and the whole pitch is in front of you. Whereas in midfield, a lot of the time your back's facing the play. Um, so you always have to be looking in your shoulder. But I think um, coming in from midfield, it's a big help because obviously you're used to everyone being buzzing around you. So, yeah, the extra time on the ball helps. Is everyone in the dressing room kind of confident about sort of finishing in the playoffs, do you think? How do you feel about the kind of um, this end of the season? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, we're doing, we're playing really well at the moment. Each game we're getting better in terms of our actual performance. We have had uh, periods where we were getting the results, but our performances maybe weren't as good as they could be. But I think each game our performances are improving, and I think as we continue that into the new year, uh, we've got every every chance of being in the playoffs and even higher. And today it was a 4-1 win in the end. But, you know, it was tricky for a little while, but I think Dulwich's quality came through. Well, how did you see the game from sort of your position at the back yeah definitely what I thought was that um, in the first half I thought uh, we could have scored a couple maybe two even three but um, uh, we started off really well the first 20-25 minutes Um, after that we kind of eased off a bit and it's like we was trying too much to score and that was kind of making the game more of a battle and that's how they got back into it again but at half time the gaffer obviously told us like we're in the lead, like we were in the lead, it's one all. Like we don't need to score like right now. We've still got 40 minutes, uh, 45 minutes, so we could just relax from there and then just keep passing it about. And from there, we took that on board and 
obviously helped us out in the pitch. It must be nice to play as a centre-back, be able to play the ball about rather than playing in a team where you just hoof it up, up top. It, there's a lot of other non-league teams where you don't kind of... Luxury is probably the wrong word, but you don't, you're not able to play in that style. I mean, that suits you, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been at Dulwich uh, my whole senior football career, so I haven't really experienced uh, any other type of football playing senior. But um, obviously, from playing against it, I know that there is a big difference. When you get teams that are good on the ball, uh, it's really hard work because they're always moving, buzzing about, and you've got to always be on your shoulders, on your toes to make sure you know where the players are. But, um, yeah, I, it's great playing with the ball because uh, the more you pass it about, the other team tires, then you end up with more time on the ball, you create more gaps. So, yeah, it's definitely suited to the way you play. On non-league day against Southern Richmond, you had the ball and you did that step over and passed it to Ash. Oh, Run us through the season contender. Yeah, basically, um, yeah, the corner came in. Uh, I think one of their players headed it out and uh, just got to it first. Uh, I saw the man coming up behind me, so I just my initial plan was to just take it to the line and cross it back in. But uh, he shut me down quite quick and then I just uh, heard another player coming off my shoulder. So I just dragged it inside him and... I was looking to actually shoot, but then I heard Ashley call. He was in quite a bit of space, so I just set it off to him, and he just whipped it in the top end. So, yeah, Don't even nice need to finish. look. I'm just hearing it. Hearing the player <laughs> coming and just doing the 360. Gavin Jr. and Kevin get a lot of attention for the success of the Aspire Academy and Dulwich's heroics on the pitch too. We decided to catch up with one of the unsung heroes of the backroom staff, John Tambagongo. So, Tamba, tell us about how you came to Dulwich. Firstly, because yeah, I've been playing there for the past um, two seasons before I came here and I eventually stopped playing because of injury and came back to, to part of the coaching staff. Are you friends with Gavin? Not like a friend, like, Gino is my friend, I just, Gino just brought me in with Gavin, yeah, he's just like a little brother to them because I'm the youngest in between the four of us. So what's your role at the club? At the moment I'm doing the reserve. Like I'm in charge of players that goes on loan, try to check on them and see how they're doing, and part of the first team coaching as well at the same time. So with uh, fitness focus, yeah? Yeah, basically that's what I'm doing at the moment. Do you have much of a background with that? Yes, um, I was at Peckham United two seasons ago before coming here, and I played against Dolich in the pre-season game. I beat Dolich, because God knows me already, and he said um, he wants me to join them. So I should come over. And that season, I won the league. The Wimbledon and District the Premier League with Peckham United. So I came over. This is my second season now with Dolly Chow. Harry Ottaway has obviously been... Uh, it was a big loss when yeah, he was out of the team. Massive, massive and one, he's yeah. being sort of nursed back to fitness. Started today. Mm. What have you been doing with him? Um, mostly what we're doing with him, because we don't want to rush him. He's been doing more of swimming and a little bit of fitness work. Because... Um, Gab don't want to rush him at the same time because he's not 100% fully fit to be playing. So, because Omar is not in today and we just made a gamble for him to start to play. And what the manager wants, that's what he did today. So, it was, it was all right. We just want him to get good recovery tomorrow, get back for Saturday game. There's obviously a lot of fixtures at this level. Yeah, piling up, I know. Yeah, so what sort of things do you do with the players to improve their stamina? Well, that's, that's the other thing. Um, at the moment... Because we've got a routine, like, after the game today, we have a long stretch and 
some of them are going to come in tomorrow with the youth team to do a little bit cool down and rest for Saturday game. What's the fitness levels like at Dulwich compared to other clubs? Do you watch games and you kind of can see the opposition? Maybe they're a bit not not as in such good shape. Um, to be fair, because the youth team train like mostly every day. Because most of the first team players that that don't work on anything, they come into training with the youth team. So obviously the fitness levels getting there. That's what we keep doing with them. And the manager is happy with the fitness at the, at the moment because I think we we're, we're nearly there. We're nearly there where he wants the players to be at this, at this time, at this moment in time. As a fan, uh, you know, I've got no great insight, yeah. but it seems to me that it can be such a key fit, key advantage over your opponents mm. is mm. Uh, just having some, being that much fitter yeah. make, it does make all the difference. And those in those last, uh, you know, those last 20 minutes or yeah. whatever, it yeah. really can be the difference between sort of a win and a draw or yeah. a draw and a defeat. That's what I mean. Because that, that, that really helps because if the fitness level is... It's up to the standard the way we want it, and every game like what happened today, it just grow. Because we were thinking, because first half when the manager went into change room, said to them, "We're playing, we're keeping the ball. They can't get onto the ball." But it's like the belief was not there. So second, second half, you said to them, "When you got there, show them you can play. Move the game faster, move the ball quicker, and just play." And that's what happened. And they, the players individually, if you ask them now, they're going to say to you, "Their fitness level is getting up." to the standard they believe they can play because they're training hard. This Thursday, the 15th of January, all Dulwich fans have the opportunity to ask experts on fan ownership at Dulwich Hamlet Football Club. We hear from Fiona Skerlock of the Dulwich Hamlet Supporters Trust Board. Hi, Ben. Um, Yes, we're doing an Ask the Experts session on fan ownership on Thursday night. Uh, It's for all fans. We want you all to come and open the discussion about fan ownership of Dulwich Hamlet. Um, Hadley have said from the beginning that they're not interested in running a football club long term. And if the plans go through, obviously we're in the early stages at the moment, there is an opportunity for the fans to own Dulwich Hamlet, which um, the trust, you know, that, that's always been one of our, our aims. We're having uh, James Mathy from Supporters Direct Club Development who's going to explain the various options for fan ownership. There are various structures, um, various ways you can have investment in the club. We're also having um, a variety of people from supporter-owned clubs to give us their experiences, um, how they got to fan ownership, what their structure is, what the practical difficulties are, what's expected of the supporters really. You know, there's a huge uh, amount of voluntary work that's needed for fan-owned clubs and we want to um, make the all the fans sort of aware of it and open the discussion um, and take it from there really. It's, uh, it's a huge issue for the club and something that we hope the fans will engage in and come on Thursday it's free it's in the club bar 7.30 till 9.30 bar will be open and there'll be a chance for you to ask uh, questions from the panel Uh, we've got Paul Millington from uh, Enfield Town FC who were I think the first um, fan owned club uh, ever uh, we've got Dan York from Fisher, and they ground share with us here. 
Uh, we've got Joe Collins, who from the Portsmouth Supporters Trust, who has got a huge uh, knowledge of uh, fan ownership and the issues around it. Um, and David Groans and Nigel Higgs uh, from AFC Wimbledon. Uh, they're from the uh, David Groans is the vice chair of the trust, and uh, Nigel Higgs uh, I think was the driving force there uh, for fan ownership. So we've got some hugely experienced people coming, and um, they're open to uh, you know answering your questions. We've also asked Gavin Rose, our manager, to come. Um, he's um, going to be saying what he thinks about fan ownership and there'll be the football committee there and uh, representatives of Hadley so they'll all be around to answer questions uh, we're also going to have a raffle on the night for two sets of tickets for uh, boardroom hospitality for Maidstone which I think is our last home game of the season So, so please come and support the club and let's start the ball rolling. We also spoke to Dulwich defender Michael Kamara about his battle with Michael Abnett for the first team right back spot and also how his move to Dulwich came about. Michael, you joined in the summer with uh, Ashley Carew and Terrell Forbes. Was that a move that uh, came, as a, came as a package? Were you, were you all signed together? Yeah, you could say that, but um, I, I spoke to Gavin previously he just checked my availability and everything and um, and then Fools gave me a call and said oh you won't believe it um, Gav's giving me a call as well so it was kind of that did kind of sway it yeah it did yeah and you're pretty close to them too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I am yeah Shoshi Toro yeah <laughs> um, last week we spoke to Michael Abnett who uh, he mentioned that he was part of Palace Academy with yeah. John Bostock and Sean Scannell and a load of other players yeah. um, you were Palace Academy as well weren't you yeah. about four or five years behind yeah um, I was there. Perhaps uh, was about two years younger than me. But um, in my age group was uh, I had Victor Moses. I had uh, John Bostock was playing up as well. I've joined in a few few times with us. But um, I had uh, I had James Dayton who was in so he, he was playing in Scotland, but he's back in he's back here in England now. But uh, yeah, big name was Victor Moses, who's obviously at Chelsea now. But yeah, he was in my youth team as well. How was your time at Palace? Did you um, enjoy it? Yeah, I did. It was it was a bit crazy because um, when I had left school, I was initially meant to join Gav's uh, academy at 16, but I'd left I'd I'd left it late and I'd gone to Cambridge United, and I literally done about three months there, and uh, the youth team broke down, and then I got offered a contract at Palace. So it all happened a bit mad. I was there for about a year and a half. So uh, yeah, it, it was good, but um, it's just obviously I was playing in defence uh, centre back at the time. It wasn't it wasn't ideal for me to be there because I needed more experience to like playing men's men's football. But um, yeah, it, it was good there. I, w- I would say that. Yeah, we've done quite a lot of research on on you before this mm. interview, mm. and I've seen a couple of things that have said your preferred position is centre back. But you've done a lot for Dulwich at right back. What is your preferred position? Do you have one, or are you more are you considered yourself in a utility player in defence? No, I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't never really put myself as a utility player. But if it's helpful for the team, then of course I'm enjoying my time at the moment. I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't want to be playing because I would be. But the boys have been fantastic. You saw it today again, the resilience and everybody's togetherness. But um, yeah, initially when I did come, it was for me to play at right back. But with a view of in the long term, now I'm going to play centre back. And to be fair, I think 
the style of style of football we do play, I think I do more enjoy it playing centre back. So it's a thing where if look, if Gavin told me next week I've got to play right back, I'm gonna play right back, I'm not gonna lie to you, but if you did say centre back as well I would. And it's just really I just gotta buy my time at the moment. The boys have been the boys have been ledge. And if I have to be called upon, I'm ready. I'd, I'd like to think I'm one of the experienced boys as well. I've been that last few years. I've been involved in promotion campaigns, so I've got a know-how. I've won one and lost one. So yeah, if when the time's right, I'll be ready. But just got to wait. We saw at the Christmas party you put on your iPod, and then there was that Kingstonian game where you came over to the fans and gave them a fist pump. I think like you're clearly quite a popular figure with the fans and with the players is that how you see, see your role as well? Yeah I'd, I'd like to think that you saw today um, Luke scored and he ran over to me and Ash scored and ran over to me but um, it's just one of them things before the game I try and get in their heads like today I said to Luke like Luke do you fancy scoring today and he was like oh what do you mean I said well if you score I'll be waiting for you and like, alright cool then I'm going to score and then even Ash but to be fair me and Ash has always been like that from the beginning of the season so um, but yeah it's just it's just end of the day it's, it's a team game everybody's striving for the same thing like, I, at the day, everybody wants min- uh, minimum promotion. So, if I can get in people's heads, that I can fire them to put performances up today. It wasn't good in the eye today, but in the same sense, we we all addressed it and we all know that we can play better. But it's the second end of the season now. We need to take in the form, and I don't want to say the word I'm going to say, but we're still winning. So that's how it goes, isn't it? Um, you mentioned that you played alongside Terrell at Dover as well. How much have you learned from him from the time you played with him? You know what, it's it's a bit crazy because um, previously I've known about Terrell and Terrell's known about me but we've never actually known each other to be how we are now and I met him last year for the first time and it's like, he's like a spot that won't go away and you probably say it with me as well but it's I've learned a lot to be honest like in terms of like seeing out games and like how to approach games and even like little things you'll say to me and go in the game and think of three things that, that you're going to do in a game and kick on from there in a the game and to be honest I, I've, I've learned a lot I've learned a lot I've learned a lot beside him to be honest yeah We were speaking to Kashani a couple of weeks ago and he talks about how players come to Dulwich who are maybe at different clubs different academies and they see the coaching here and they're still improving as players would you would you agree with that? I would to be honest I'd, I'd, I'd say best best coaching style that I've been at for a while like since I've come in into non-league it's like Dover no disrespect it was literally you just you plan out to win games but here we can win a game but we still get told what we did right and what we did wrong and um, even now I start, even every day every time we go to training I'm still learning stuff like even in the games I'm still learning stuff and I would vouch that what Shaney said like you're always learning like obviously it's not always going to be perfect but as long as you're taking in everything that's being said to you, you're obviously going to learn more. But yeah, I would, I would say yeah. Since I've come here in July, I've learned a lot. It was uh, it was the FA Cup third round uh, a couple of weeks ago. Did you watch the Dover Palace game? Yeah. And if you did, where did your light always lie? Um, it was a bit crazy because um, when um, when it did come on, I was with I was, what was I? I was I was with my brother, and my brother was like, um, oh, if you're a stage, you probably would have been playing. I was like, yeah, probably, but I don't know in it, but um. It was it was a cutthroat because there's no one no one at Palace that I really kind of know anyway right now. So it was one of them where there's few few boys to let Dover not. I was praying that they actually got a good result, but <laughs> the game was a bit mental. They didn't even have a shot at target. So there you go, you saw the goal in it. So yeah, it was a, it was a bit mad.
Last week, Dulwich also had a training game against Stainstown from the Conference South. Dulwich put in a good performance and won 1-0. Dean Lodge came on in the second half and unfortunately was injured after a clash of heads, so we all wish Lodgy a speedy recovery. We'd also like to wish a speedy recovery to Aspire Academy player Kyan Nicholas, who unfortunately sustained a broken leg on the 7th of January. Kyan had been a regular goalscorer for the youth team and we wish him all the best. A number of Aspire Academy players have gone out on loan in the last few weeks. Kareem Boyle has joined East Grinstead Town, Sean McCorsky has joined Walton Casuals and Brandon Hobbs and Jamie Maskell have joined Erith Town. You may have also seen that Gavin Rose won the Ryman Premier League Manager of the Month for December and Javier Vidal won Football Exclusive's Goal of the Month for December for his 25-yard strike into the top corner against Whittam Town just before Christmas. Also, a special mention for ex-Dulwich Hamlet playmaker Erhan Oztuma, who has made a fantastic start to his professional career with Peterborough United. Erhan has won six Man of the Matches in a row. That's all for this episode of Ford the Hamlet. Intro music was from Robert Molloy Vaughan, with vocals from Richard Watts. Remember to get involved online. You can follow us on Twitter at Ford Hamlet, on Facebook at Ford the Hamlet, and remember to visit our website, FordTheHamlet.com, where you can listen to all past episodes. Forward the Hamlet is part of the Holdfast Network. Visit holdfastnetwork.com for more quality podcasts. It would be nice if all the teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. Absolute hump, D. Swaggering dandies. An absolute hump.